Hello and welcome to the Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. Today I had a great conversation with Beth Lachance from Riva Medical Assistance. And we talked about the different things that medical assistants can do and different administrative tasks that they can do in our practice to alleviate and unburden our team from the, the activities that take them away from patient care. It was a really fun conversation for me. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends, and support those who support us. The most common questions I get include, what ophthalmological codes or evaluation and management codes should I use? What ICD-10 codes do I need to build with this CPT code? What CPT codes can be built together and what can't? And my favorite, how do I manage a patient who has diabetes who comes in for a quote-unquote routine eye exam? These questions really highlight the confusion and uncertainty that serves as a daunting hurdle for providers, makes it more challenging for them to care for their patients and provide those patients with the best opportunity for a lifetime of ocular health and clear vision. That's why we built iCode Education for this specific purpose. Our mission is to provide optometrists with resources to help you understand disease states, revenue cycles, and billing and coding so that you can put that on autopilot and truly care for your patients. Check out iCodeEducation.com. That's E-Y-E-C-O-D-E Education.com. We've developed a premier billing and coding bundle that includes all of our billing and coding resources in one place. We also have a 10% discount code just for listeners of this podcast. Enter the coupon code E-Y-E-C-O-D-E-M-E-D-I-A-22 at checkout. We'd love to work with you. Check out iCodeEducation.com. My patients with macular degeneration want clear and succinct recommendations from me related to products and solutions that can benefit their long-term ocular health and vision. To do this for my patients, I need to be confident that what I'm recommending will have a benefit to them. And that's why my supplement of choice is MacuHealth. MacuHealth is specifically formulated and clinically proven to rebuild and maximize macular pigment over a lifetime. This results in enhanced visual performance and aids in the treatment and prevention of age-related macular degeneration. I've discussed carotenoid absorption on this podcast with Dr. Nolans and Stringham, and MacuHealth uses a patented process called micromycel technology. And this technology is clinically proven to increase carotenoid concentrations at the target tissue and deliver the highest level of bioavailability studied to date. MacuHealth has been great for my patients. We really feel like we have the ability to help those patients in all categories of macular degeneration. If you're not utilizing MacuHealth for your patients, Check it out for yourself by contacting your MacuHealth representative. Your company, your topic kind of interests me mainly because I think a lot of doctors of optometry and, you know, other physicians across the country in other specialties, uh, they've got some real challenges right now. I mean, one is the administrative challenges with a practice are continuing to increase with the delivery of managed care, managed vision care, you know, um, and that's not going away. And the, the reimbursements are generally stagnant. And then I think this, this is probably the most important thing. I and mean, we have virtual, we have, we've, we've hired a virtual assistant in our practice. And um, it really came down to like, I have a scribe. When I see patients, I have a scribe. And it's because I hate 
to go back and forth between the patient and then the technology and then the patient and the technology. And so, um, so I don't know that our, that our, our physical team has fully embraced this yet, but I think one of the things that's a real big challenge is that, uh, in order to administer patient care, it's no longer just about taking care of the patient. When you start to map out all the things that have to occur, all the administrative tasks that have to occur, it's really challenging. And so the, to, to take a person who's good with a patient and then also good at submitting things three different ways, the, the three different vision payers or five different ways or 10 different ways to different um, medical payers, it's very hard to, to get mm-hmm. the technical aspects of all of that. And so it bogs down. It sucks. It sucks the joy out of, out of taking care of patients and that ultimately impacts the patient. So that's what interested me in this conversation, Beth. So tell me a little bit about, am I, am I off? Am I on? What, um, what did I miss in all of that? You know, you are absolutely dead on, uh, but in most cases, it's also bogging down the administrative or rest of the staff within the practice, even though, I mean, in most cases, most of the physicians are no longer doing a lot of that admin piece. They're handing that off, um, you know, to someone in their practice. And in many cases, it's a medical assistant or even a mid-level practitioner is doing their own, their own work um, on the administrative side, but, or it's even the practice manager gets bogged down. So, you know, as, as physicians, you know, we're accustomed to working really, really hard right? All physicians are really accustomed to working really hard. And if they need to see more patients in order to see the same bottom, bottom, bottom line, they're willing to do that. But what ends up happening is it also impacts the entire rest of the practice. And in many cases, that means they need to either add on staff or they're at risk of losing their existing staff because their existing staff is overloaded. Yes. So that's where medical virtual assistants can really come into play you don't necessarily need additional office space. You don't need an, a, another computer. You don't need another desk. You don't need another office. Um, but you can have your office staff offload some of their administrative work, things like insurance verifications, prior authorizations, referrals, billing, um, collections, you name it. There's a, there's a whole host of things, even front desk being a virtual receptionist. We do full new patient intakes all of that. So, um, you know, making sure that everything is already uploaded in the EMR before the patient comes in for their first appointment. Um, so all of those things are, can, can be done by a medical virtual assistant from Riva. Um, but in the end, yes, there's a tremendous amount of administrative work that goes around seeing one patient, you know, one patient yeah. and it can be yeah. seen very quickly in and out with the physician, but there's so much work that has to happen around getting that one patient in the door. So, um, yeah, so that's what we're, you know, where we kind of come in to help practices, um, whether it's scaling it, whether a practice wants to continue to scale and get bigger and bigger and bring in more practitioners than they need, but they don't want to necessarily bring in additional staff that's costly. Um, and, or practices that are just, they're just bogged down with the administrative work because it's just become so tedious and so much to see the same number of patients that you've always been seeing, it just it, it ends up really bogging down the rest of the, the rest of the team as well. So, and that's well, where we can sucks. come in. Yeah. And I think, I think what happens is it start it becomes this burden on staff members who are really great staff. I and mean, I've seen it happen in our team yes. and it, it was relatively recently. And, and um, you know, there's this big burden on key staff members. And what, what I want to kind of walk through is I want you to sort of, 
uh, talk about well, what will what I think would be really helpful for listeners is to kind of think through the types of, of activities that you all can help out with. And so like in my mind, it really changes the way that I think about how we deliver care because um, once you really break down all the things, first of all, you you realize it's very overwhelming. Like if I want to go into a store and buy a pair of sneakers, I walk into the store, I pick out the sneakers I like and I take it to the front and it gets checked out. Right now there's other stuff that has to go into that. They have to put it on the shelf, et cetera. But like, to, to actually uh, deliver care to a patient, it might start, let's say, with a phone call. So mm-hmm. somebody, somebody calls the office and needs to schedule. What are the types of things that, that don't need to be done in the office that, that would exist within that phone call? Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. That's a great intro to that. Um, well, first of all, in most cases, when the phone rings, a lot of times, obviously, it's, it's, it's during regular business hours. And so the receptionist, an active live person sitting in a seat within the practice, typically has either a live patient in front of them while the phone is also ringing. So that's where mm-hmm. a medical virtual assistant can come into play. The phone can ring at that front desk, but if somebody, if that person is already available, is not available and is already you know, working with a live patient in front of them, their focus should be on that live patient in front of them, that white glove Agreed. surface. Right? So that's where immediately that can that phone call can be rolled over to a medical virtual assistant to pick up that call and handle that call from start to finish, whether they're, the patient is calling in to reschedule, to cancel, or to schedule an actual new patient appointment. Um, to put, you know, give the more new information on their new insurance card, um, and have us input that information directly into the EMR, whether it's a billing question that they have, you know, we should be able to answer any and all questions from, you know, in terms of the administrative side from front to back of that conversation that happens with that patient without having to send that patient then to the voicemail of somebody in the practice, unless of course it's for a, you know, a practitioner of some kind, or there's a medical, a medical question, obviously that we don't, we don't answer. So right. that's where we really can fit in in terms of just even that, that just that front desk, the phone is ringing. What can we do? We can do yeah. all of that. And that's touch point one. Okay. So that's, so I'm trying to keep track of the number of touches that a, that a patient has to go through to get, get the care that they need. So that's touch point one. And, and so in our office, that might be, you know, um, a, a person that's physically there. And then the patient comes into the office and then we have the front desk team who, then has to almost like make sure that what was done on the, even though we do a very good job of collecting as much information and pulling as much information as possible. Now the patient arrives and you say, Hey, Mrs. Smith, how you doing? Welcome to the practice. I just have a couple more things that we need to get done. Right. So now, now that person is kind of doing another just now you had another person, another touch point. And so my understanding then would be your team would try to get all of those things away. Like, what would the front desk actually need to do when the patient arrives once if you've offloaded that and you've done it well? Sure. I mean, it depends on it depends on the practice flow and how, you know, the owner or owners of the practice want it to feel or want it to go. But ideally, what makes the practice flow and the day go on on schedule, right? And you keep patients and you keep your schedule on schedule is one of those things that we should be able to do and should be happening is all that paperwork and everything should be done before the patient comes in. Yeah. So if there's people who handles that, that? who handles that? Yeah. I mean, a a medical virtual assistant can handle that. So they can look, would it be the the same person that, sorry, I'm interrupting, but would it be the same person that, um, that would 
take the phone call in most practices or is that too overwhelming? No, it, 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 I guess it depends on how busy the practice is and how many calls are coming in. So mm-hmm. if, the, if it's an extraordinarily busy medical practice where there are the phone just doesn't stop, there might not be time in between to be able to do some of, some of these, these types of tasks. If not, if there is time in between calls, that's where the, that same medical virtual assistant would be able to log into the schedule see who's coming in tomorrow or the next day, right? And be able mm-hmm. to go in through, go through and see if all of their, their paperwork is in the system. If it mm-hmm. has not been uploaded and is not there, that can trigger either a phone call directly to the patient from that medical virtual assistant or an email that would shoot off that paperwork to the, to the, the patient reminding them, please get this, you know, this information done before you walk into your appointment. You can, print it, bring it with you, or you can scan it and send it right back to me and have your email address there. And then as soon as it comes back, the medical virtual assistant can log it in. So at least then your front desk, right, that your front desk would know, a patient that's walking in, he or she at the front desk would know, is everything already there? Is everything already complete? Or do I need to hand this patient paperwork that needs to be completed? So that would be, again, that would be a... um, coordinated between the medical virtual assistant and or the and and the front desk to let them know you know patient at 10 30 patient at one o'clock patient at 3 30 neither of those patients have filled out their appropriate paperwork they have not and we do not have it in the emr and yep. so that would trigger and the the you know the front desk would know okay great we're gonna have smooth sailing today you know the 35 other patients there they have we have all the paperwork needed all i need to do is collect their copay and they're going to and check them in and hand them a bottle of water and have a nice conversation with them and make them feel warm and fuzzy that they're here in our medical practice um yeah. so that's kind of how that can work just so that the patients really feel like you have they have your total attention at the front desk and then you know i'm trying to transition into kind of like the we call it pre-testing right or or entrance testing so you might have a technician right now that's that's touch point number 3 so that's the third person in our physical office right now that would have to encounter this patient and yeah. and not when i say have to you know what i mean I, you know they, they yes. would have the opportunity to encounter the patient and um and then they get through their testing which really i mean for the most part um there's not a way to, I mean, that is part of the physical process that has to be done. Um, yeah. And then they bring them back. Now the doctor comes in to see them and uh, they could have a scribe that's virtual, right? A medical su- assistant can be a virtual medical assistant can be a scribe now that is just hanging out with the doctor, listening to them uh, and typing away. Correct. Or recording yeah. away. How much, how much, uh, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of of physicians worry about, especially ones that don't have scribes, I've got two associates in my practice and they're awesome and they're not quite busy enough uh, enough yet for scribes. But one of the things I know they, they think is that they're so, um, their charting is so unique that, Mm -hmm. um, that no, nobody could replicate it. And, and while I'm not sure that, that like, I would want all of my team like scribing for me, you know, like, cause I think it would be so very different. My scribe know, like she knows exactly what I'm thinking. If I tell a patient we're going to do this, she knows exactly what we're putting in the chart. I am not that unique. You know, like I think I am, but most patient care is not that unique. And when it is, I can say, Hey, Dana, can you add this to the chart? Bing, 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 right. And she'll add it. Yep. So is that, am I, am I common or am I abnormal where I'm not that unique? You are entirely unique. No, um, 
I, I think that for, I, I think that everyone has their own style and their own style of right. seeing the patient and their own style of making their way through that consultation with the patient and what needs to happen for next steps. Right. Um, yep. so really it, it also depends on the specialty. So, but yes, there, there, there will always be some physicians out there. It will be nearly impossible for them to get a live scribe because whether it's, they just, they don't, Maybe they don't do, th do things the same way every single time they see a patient or they do, do things so complex that would be too complicated or too difficult for a, for a live scribe mm. to be able to handle that. But in most cases, physicians, they, they have an, a groove, right? You see the patient, yes. it, you yes. have the, the same, you go through all the same exact same steps. You know, you've got 45 patients you're seeing in a day and Basically, that consultation and almost every single one of those appointments kind of look the same in terms of the process or your flow with the patient, right? So as your scribe learns that and kind of and knows that and can already anticipate, well, what what are you going to go to next? They already know, right? Because they've learned so much from you already. So in most cases, most physicians, if they were able to get a scribe and get a really good scribe, they they would find and see success with that. As long as they're not expecting one too much and two for the virtual, the medical virtual assistant scribe to have to do something above and beyond just that. And that if every patient appointment looks different, it's going to be hard to really get a good scribe that would be able to do it at the level that the physician would expect. So I hope that right. makes some sense. No, I think it does. I think I, my, the, my point for bringing it up is that I think uh, while I might be very different and I might chart. Um, somewhat different than my my associates do. Um, I don't chart that differently on most patients. You know, I know if a patient has this condition, we're probably going to do this. You know, nine times out of ten, there's a there's a protocol that that we have in place that's only yeah. going to be varied by that patient's preferences um, and you know four different treatment options. But it's but that that's not even that nuanced because most patients are going to kind of still want to follow the normal you know the normal way that that works. Right. And, Correct. uh, and so once like to what I've learned in, in scribes just in general is that I'm just not that unique. Like I, what I mean by that is like, m I think that every encounter is so unique when somebody sees me and while it is, it's only unique in the, in the like ways that I have conversations with patients and the ways that I interact with patients, it's not unique generally in what we're doing for each specific condition. And that's knowable and that's learnable by somebody else. Correct. Um, so that's touch point number four. And then in our office, then we would hand that patient off to an optician. And so now this is another pa another uh, person that, that this patient has encountered. And that's probably not completely offloadable from a standpoint of like, if they're going to help them with uh, pick out new glasses, we're not going to offload that from our practice. If we're going to help them put on contact lenses, that's somebody needs to be there for that. But but the logistics of of what we've seen uh, can be very helpful is, you know, if you can simplify the process to deliver the contact lenses, to deliver the glasses, to, um, you know, to even understanding insurance benefits, if you can simplify that and somebody else on the back end can help with that, right? Because they, they gathered information on the intake. Now, all of a sudden that process is easy. It doesn't matter if, if you're paying cash or having this managed vision care or that managed vision care. It's, right. it's just a, it's just a calculation and you can say, Oh, great. We're going to do this. And this is your insurance covers this. This is what we're doing. Right. As opposed to the, um, sort of, okay, this is what, okay. And I got to figure out your insurance here and this is what you picked out. And okay. So now we I mean, just trying to remove that kind of 
uh, impetus that just bogs things down and makes it frustrating for the patient ultimately. But but for our team is where I, I've seen that be a, a challenge. Right. So what, what are your thoughts related to eye care? Yeah, I, I, my thoughts, even just within that perfect, within that example, is that you can have a medical virtual assistant that would be kind of in the background waiting to hear, you know, uh, what level or what was picked out? What did, the, what did the patient pick out? And then all the paperwork and everything would be up in front of them on the computer in terms of what their benefits would cover and doing a quick fee calculation based on their benefits and based on what they have for coverage. Then they can do a really quick fee calculation all the while, you know, you know, someone in your practice is showing them, okay, well, these are your different options. What do you think about these? And do you know what I'm saying? Like that could all yeah, be done in totally. the background so that number one, patients can kind of make their decision quickly because if the information is going to be immediately given right to them. But beyond that, then you really are talking about that person in your practice who's standing there live with the patient can really spend more time discussing things and talking through things with the patient instead of going back to, you know, whether it's back at their desk or whether it's, you know, live right there in front of them, they're on the computer trying to see, okay, this is what your benefits are, you know, trying to do all of that. Hopefully that can all be done either on the front end or can be done live while that is, while that patient is being seen. And the medical virtual assistant would be in charge of doing that and doing the fee calculation and then getting that ready. So that might be a really great, great way to also utilize a medical virtual assistant in, you know, in that live moment, right. And being able to take yep. that off the plate of your practitioner. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think, uh, yeah, my mind has shifted really rapidly. Uh, I mean, over the last, I mean, very, very brief period of time where, you know, I, I just go to like any task, any administrative task in the office, um, that requires any input of data, almost, almost any input of data and any um, kind of data gathering or um, pulling of information uh, just gets humanized. It's weird. It's weird to say it, but it gets humanized with a virtual assistant. And and it's hard for people to wrap their minds around it. Um, I, I know it's been hard for my team to fully understand what this allows for them. Um, yeah. But... Uh, so when that happens, what's your experience? Like what, how can people articulate? So, okay. That was, that's, that's person number five. And then, sure. you, so I want to go through this last one. Cause, cause I want to, don't let me forget that last question, but yeah. so the next step is, okay. When, when the products and the deliverables are, um, ready, that's another, you know, task. It's another administrative task, which could be offloaded. So in theory, that could be a sixth person, right? A, a totally different person that tells a patient their glasses or contacts are ready or, you know, uh, all of those other things. So it, yeah. it seems to me that in, in our practice, what I'm really kind of, what this has allowed me to really move, and I could be, we could totally fail in this. I mean, I'm, and I'm open to failure in it. Um, but what it, what it shows me is, is that the existing framework we have becomes very fragile because if one one of our people, if, if we have you know a person, you probably you can't get rid of the person that's answering the phones, but if we have a person that um, is touching the patient when they come in, right at the front desk, mm -hmm. that has yep. to aggregate all the information, and then we yep. have another person that's a technician, and then another person that's an optician, and then another person that's a scribe. Um, that's that's four people outside of the doctor. So that's four different touch points that you can make a mistake 
Or if yeah. most importantly, I'm not even worried about mistakes in my team at all. They, they do a great job. I'm worried that if one of them is sick, now all yeah. of a sudden or gone, all of a sudden it just collapses onto this one onto this one other person that was there as backup. And so, and that's where you really see problems. In this new scenario, what I would envision and what I'm trying to move toward is I'm not trying to shrink my physical team. We've got great people. I'm I, I'm not entirely sure that they believe that right now. Um, Again. But I don't know how else to tell them. I, I do think that there might be this little threaten, threatening kind of uh, sense in the back of their mind, like, holy cow, all these things I thought I was, it was so valuable to me for me to do. Now I don't have to do them. What, what What's my value? Um, mm-hmm. But I view it as like, well, my team is going to stay basically the same size, uh, my physical team. But now when a patient comes in, they're going to encounter one person that's going to be with them the entire time, that's going to execute all of those things. And because there's no administrative burden for those things, it's going to be that one person, the patient, and me or any of the other doctors. And now it makes us super resilient because everybody in the office gets to know how to do everything that they do. Maybe they have these little pockets of where they can oversee, um, you know, and dig deeper into. But but pretty much, if one person's gone, two people are gone. It's just part of the rotation, right? So now maybe the rotation is a little bit busier, but everybody's not completely overwhelmed. Emerging presbyopes and emetropic presbyopes can be tricky. These patients want and need additional help at near, but they can be resistant to solutions that create even mild distance blur. The MyDay multifocal lens has been great for our presbyopic patients. It allows those patients to transition into a multifocal more easily and more comfortably. And we've had this lens for long enough now that we have been able to see the simple and how simple the adaptation can be when adjusting from lower ad designs to higher ad designs. When prescribing MyDay contact lenses, you can feel confident about your environmental impact because for every MyDay contact lens sold in the United States, CooperVision's partner, Plastic Blank, collects and converts an equal amount of ocean-bound plastic through their global network. MyDay multifocal contact lenses will provide your patients with a great quality of vision and comfortable lens wearing experience, all while making a difference in our environment. So if you haven't started utilizing MyDay Multifocal in your practice, I'd encourage you to reach out to your CooperVision representative to get started. We've been partnering with Eslor Exotica 360 for a while now, and it helps us in three areas. First, they use social media campaigns to highlight products that we believe in and prescribe to our patients, and they deliver those patients back to our office. Second, Esloil Exotica 360 enhances our patient experience through staff training tools that help us simplify and streamline the way we communicate about our products. Lastly, but for my practice most importantly, it helps us make good business decisions related to our optical offerings. We will systematically and objectively analyze what our patients are purchasing and what they like and removing products that they are not really using and not really drawn to. And and this, along with additional rebates and immediate savings, helps us continue to deliver high-quality products and services to our patients and keeps our practice resilient. Check out Essilor Exotica 360 for yourself by visiting EssilorPro.com. Have you seen this work? Oh, absolutely. Without question, I've seen it. I have seen it work time and time again. And you touched upon a really, really key piece of all of this and the success of this really revolves around your 
team within your practice being on board with this. So, um, yes, you use the word threatened hands down. People immediately get very, very nervous about their job and their value and how they're, you know, well, what am I going to do now? Or if they start taking away tasks away from me, then they're going to want to get rid of me and save money. I have only had in all of the, the medical practices that have come to us, I have only had one medical practice that their intention was to try to shrink their existing staff and replace yeah. a few people with medical virtual assistants. Every other client that has come to us, that was never their intention and never, and, and, and it's not what they're looking to do. They want to maintain their great staff. They don't want them to go anywhere. And a part, and one of the big issues for them is that a lot of their staff is so overwhelmed. They're worried about losing them. And also yeah. you have great people that might be doing $10 an hour tasks, but they're really high level people that could be doing something else in the practice and yes. frankly, take your practice to the next level. And yes. so you, you want to make sure that you're allocating the tasks appropriately to what their skill level is and where they really could be an asset in your practice. So, you know, kind of, you know, getting your, getting everyone within your practice to wrap their, their arms around the idea of, wow, oh my God, like, uh, you know, some of these things that bog me down each day, if I can get them off my plate, you know, I can help the doctor in X, Y, Z. I, I could be helping the practice in this way. The practice manager is bogged down. We really need an assistant practice manager. Maybe that's where I can step up and help out in some of those things. So there's so many different ways to, that you can utilize some of the great staff you have, but you can't utilize them if they want to leave. So you've got to figure out a way, okay, how can I get the great people to stay and get them to wrap their brain and wrap their arms around. This is a great way to add add staff to the practice without adding a huge amount to our bottom line, right? And also without adding more physical bodies in the space of the of the medical practice, because in most cases, most medical practices are, are at capacity with the number of people that they can fit in the building. Um, so, but knowing that, oh my gosh, we can make this really work and work amazingly well. And if we have somebody yeah. who's out sick, there's enough coverage to make sure that everybody is cross-trained on certain tasks and can pick up where needed. So there, I have seen it work time and time again, obviously, especially, you know, even like post COVID, it's a much different conversation I'm having with, with, uh, with practitioners now and owners of practices. It, it's much different. It's not, can this work, but how can this work? And how quickly yeah. can we get it up and running? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's been an exciting time for this industry only because like m virtual assistants have been utilized in so many other industries with for years and years and years without question. The medical industry has been dragging their feet for a really long time on how can we really use like you touched upon medical scribes. Yep. Virtual medical medical scribes has been the first place and the really almost the only place that we have utilized any kind of remote staffing for medical. And because of COVID, it opened up everybody's eyes that, wow, this really can work. And we really should be doing this because now we're having staffing challenges. Everyone is having staffing challenges. So yeah. what is a solution? Medical virtual assistance is a great solution to a scaling practice, to a practice that's already struggling with staffing, with staffing needs, with practices that are seem to be working well, but staff is overwhelmed and you're at risk for losing them. Um, so yeah, it's great. It's a great solution across the board. And I've seen it work incredibly well in not in an, not just an entire practice, but just certain departments that are struggling. Not every department struggles or not every department has issues, right? You may just have one or two departments that are really struggling in your practice with being overwhelmed or overloaded. 
that's where we can really, you know, we can, we can start, we could start in one of those, one of those departments and you you see how great it works. And then before you know it, they're asking us, wow, can you, we can you, we want to add more VAs. Can we add them in the accounts receivable department? Yep. We're on it. Yep. Billing. Yep. Yep. We're on it. Collections. We're on it. Um, so absolutely. And that's, and that's how we've seen our business grow so quickly as well is our existing client base sees the value once they get started in one department. They see the value. They see incredible how incredibly well it works, and then they add on VAs in a different department. And so that's yeah. really where we've seen a lot of our growth has been internal with our existing our existing client base. Yeah. I, so so there was. I think there's. I, I'm really a. Um, I've become kind of a wonk on identity and beliefs. Uh, and you know, we had a a consultant, and he's awesome. Like I I won't tell you his name because ever. Most people who would listen to this podcast would know him, um, but he's awesome. Like I have to say that, and he does a great job. But he came in to um, he came in to do a um, an event for us a few years back, and it was fantastic. Like the ultimate outcome of this was just extremely positive for the practice. But the one thing that I don't realize he he realized that he said that I think created this belief system. Uh, in our in our practice that it actually I think that it's in the back of our team's mind was that we were kind of going through like all right well how many patients are we putting through and we're going to add a new doctor and and you know we're kind of doing these calculations about how much does it take time to do this and how much time does it take to do that and etc and we're kind of working through this process and he put the pencil down and he said you can't do it you can't do it it's, it's not achievable and um and I was like oh you know, like, that's okay. I get it. Because his point was, you need a bigger physical space is what he was saying. Right. And yep. so like the seed though, that he planted in the back of everybody's mind is we actually don't have the manpower to see the throughput that we were anticipating. If, if me and both of my associates are fully busy, we, yep. we can't put people through. And so then like in the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, we can't do this. Like, even if we get busy, we can't do it. We're going to need more people. We're going to need more space. But but that's not the case with medical assistance. If if we can if we can integrate this uh, well, um, yep. then we can do that with the within the existing space with actually the existing physical people we have there. Correct. We can do that that and more. And so that's what and I and I it even it even planted the seed. Maybe it didn't plant the seed in their mind, but it certainly did in mine of of like well we can't we can't achieve this goal if we really are going to fire on all cylinders and everybody's going to be completely booked up. Um, yep. or almost completely booked up, we will be bogged down. And uh, I know my my associates are thinking about that. I've thought about that. I know our team has thought about it. Yep. And that's a limiting belief that we had. And the fun part for me is exploring this in my mind um, and trying to figure out the pitfalls uh, has now removed that. Removed that. It's eliminated it from my mind. So let me ask you then. Sure. Um, how can we know this is secure? Like people on the fence, like, look, I got somebody that's remote. What happens if they just hijack patient data? How do I know that that this is going to be something that they're not going to steal patient health information? Like, what do you have to do for that? Yeah, no, no great question. Because, right, you're, you're handling patient information, you know, PHI, we are, have to handle and, and discuss HIPAA, of, of course, as part of our, our part of all my conversations with, with new clients coming in. So there's number one, it has to do from day one when we recruit, we're recruiting the right people with the right background, right? They already have medical background. 
they understand patient care. We put them through HIPAA training, they're HIPAA certified. And then beyond that, we also do a HIPAA um, assessment of their computer. So we'll do random audits and we'll also do um, quarterly audits of each of our staff members' computer systems, just to make sure that by chance, so, and this happens, in many cases, we have a lot of practices that want a, fo a form filled out, right? And it's a digital form. Like a BAA or something. It has to yep. be downloaded onto the, the virtual assistant's computer to then be uploaded into the EMR. And so what happens is sometimes, every once in a while, it may be downloaded and left on the computer and not and not deleted out. That's where our HIPAA, um, our, our, our HIPAA audits come in, right? We're doing a full, we have a full IT team that go in, they remotely access the VA's computer, and then they check to make sure a number of things. Number one is anything downloaded that's patient information on the computer, and it's immediately erased if we find anything. Number two, everything has to be password protected. And I am one of those people that I, I'm in, I'm, I'm in password hell right now. I have so many passwords <laughs> I that I can't remember. So I always now, you know, with all these great gadgets, you can automatically save those, right? Well, they automatically pop up when you go onto that website, whatever. We don't allow that. So that's part of our HIPAA audit. So for example, to log into their email, they have to physically type in their, their password. To log into their computer, their computer goes idle. And they're, you know, as soon as they go to log in, they have to, it has to be a password protected computer system. And then of course, logging into an EMR, logging into a VPN, logging into any of the tools that you have that you would need them to access to do their role. All of that has to be password protected, but above and beyond that, it cannot be saved passwords. So they mm. need to physically type them in. So those are some just some of the things that we do to make sure that we're protecting PHI, we're HIPAA compliant and making sure that we're doing that. Um, so so that's part of part of what we do. And and hey, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's never perfect. You know, like we're utilizing our own computer. If we're downloading patient information and then we forget to delete it afterwards, that's where these, you know, you know, some of these safety precautions are put into place to make sure that that's deleted off of their computer in the event that their computer was ever stolen or you have someone, a family member that's logging in and using your computer, right? So you wouldn't want them yep. to access and be able to see patient information. That's obviously against our HIPAA guidelines. So, um, so those are just some of the things that and safe, you know, safeguards we put in place. Um, and also they have to have malware installed on their computer. So we've got a full HIPAA audit that kind of goes through all of those things. And it's like a checklist that's done during the HIPAA audit of their computer. Awesome. Well, listen, Beth, this was a lot of fun for me to work, work through some of this stuff. Tell the audience where they can find you and where they can find your company. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Um, so it's www.rivaglobalmedical.com. That is the best place to find me. You can find recordings of our virtual assistants, live, real virtual assistants. You can find recordings of them so you kind of hear what we sound like, which is a big piece of what's, well, you know, of course, of what the, one of the first things you think about when you're going to hire somebody, what are they going to sound like? So you can check that out. There's also a, a whole host of information there that you can just learn more about our company. Uh, but also there's a there's a link to immediately be able to go and put in for creating a strategy session with me or one of the people in my office. So you would have the ability to set up a meeting, discuss some of the pain points that are happening in your practice, where a medical virtual assistant would, would you know, would fit in well, um, or if you just want to click on that button because you need a meeting because you want to get started with us right away, that would be the best place to do it. And either you'll have a meeting with me or you'll have a meeting with someone else in my office. Awesome. Beth, the chance. Yeah. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.